Welcome to another episode of First Time Bible Teacher, a podcast designed to help you learn to teach the Bible, starting with the very basics. In this episode, we discuss how to give applications without legalism. We want to help people change, but forced change is very different from the gospel. In this episode, we'll define legalism, point out some ways it creeps into our preaching, and discuss better methods for giving application points. Let's dive in. It's crucial that every teaching has some kind of take-home point. You want to give people something that they should think differently or do differently or live differently because of the time that you just spent teaching them. It's super important that messages don't end when you're done speaking. Rather, they really just begin when you're done speaking because there's something now for your audience to do differently. When we come to church, we should be coming with the idea of change in mind. We don't want to remain exactly the way that we are because people generally understand that following Jesus means slowly becoming more and more like him. So the idea is that they are going to come and hear a message that's going to help them learn a little bit more about what it means to follow Jesus closely. If all you do is sit down, or if your audience just comes in, sits down, hears a bunch of different things that you want them to agree with, and then they simply walk away and there's nothing for them to do differently, you've only helped them for the 30 or 40 or 50 minutes that you happened to teach them. You haven't given them things that they can carry with them through their week. Now, the problem often with applications is many are just focused on behavior change. When most people think of Christians, they just think of people trying to do good things or they have that kind of self-righteous image of because we do all these good things, we must be the ones that God really, really loves. But there's so much more to what it really means to follow Jesus. It's not just about, did I do the right things? Did I check off the boxes that I have in my mind that make me someone who's close with God? There's so much more to following Jesus. And if your applications are only giving people, here are things to do. Here's a checklist that you need to to check off through your week. If we're only focused on behavior change, we end up giving people something that doesn't really show them the way that God wants to work in their life. Worse yet, we may wind up reinforcing the bad ideas that people may have about God or have about the, the desires that God has for them. They, they come to church already thinking God is just interested in the stuff that we do. And then we give them a teaching that's only focused on doing the right stuff. And they say, exactly. I was right all along. God only is interested in me doing a bunch of good things for him. Jesus in his teaching ministry on earth, and really all throughout scripture, in the way that he wants to teach us, even through this very day, it was never only about behavior change. It was always about heart transformation. It was never just stop doing these things because I don't like them and start doing these things because I like them better. The teaching method of Jesus was always put away your bad heart with all of these works that come along with it and put on the new heart that I want to give you and become transformed into a new kind of person. 
when we're giving application points, we need to make sure that we're not just giving people a takeaway task. We want them to have a takeaway with some heart, a takeaway that carries with it some of the heart that Jesus has in mind for his people. Anything less than that is just legalism. Now, legalism is one of those words that we can throw around pretty often in Christianity, and it can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Generally, when you hear the word legalism, it's kind of like the way that we use the word Pharisee. You just know that it's bad, but you don't fully know what it means. And if we're going to really avoid legalism in our preaching, part of that means we need to know what it is that we're avoiding. We need to have a really clear idea in mind of what it means to think legalistically, to live legalistically, if we're ever going to avoid preaching legalistically. So a couple quick ideas for helping you define legalism in your own life and in your preaching. The first is simply that legalism is a series of ideas that turns following Jesus into a code of conduct you need to follow. It's taking what should be a healthy interpersonal relationship and turning it into a merely transactional relationship or turning it into, very simply put, if I don't do the right stuff, God isn't happy with me. God doesn't love me and God won't welcome me into his family. That's a very broad kind of winding uh, definition for legalism. For many, their real religion is trying to be good enough for heaven. Generally, people think that if they do good things, good things will happen to them. And if they do bad things, bad things will happen to them. Christianity can be very quickly confused with karma in a lot of people's minds. And the idea is if I just build up some good stock with God by doing good stuff that makes him happy, then him and I will be okay. And that's a very natural idea. Throughout most of our lives, things work in a transactional way. When you were good at home, your parents generally rewarded you for that good behavior. When you put the effort in on your school projects, you received good grades for those school projects. And so it was natural to think that if I just do the right stuff, I will get the right response that I'm hoping for. The problem is, even though that's our natural idea, we know from Scripture that's not the way that God works. He is not only interested in, can we do a bunch of good stuff for him? And if we only are telling people about stuff they need to do when it comes to the application of our message, we're going to end up reinforcing for people a bad idea. And even perhaps worse than that, for some people, the problem with trying to earn God's love isn't that they think it's the wrong way to do it. It's that they just think that they personally can't match up to the standard. So there are people that are showing up to church because church is one of the good things they're trying to do to win God's favor back, to earn his love back, but they don't think that they stack up. And so if all of your application points are just, you need to do these things for God, we reinforce for that person well, then I guess God will never want me. I guess I'll never be good enough. And instead of giving them hope that there's a new future for them, we just help them sit further in their alienation from God or their perceived alienation from God. So that's one way to look at legalism. I think another important part of looking at legalism and defining it, um, more than just making it a works-based system, 
part of legalism is demanding that other people follow your specific convictions. See, God calls each of us to our own walks. There are a lot of areas where when we really examine Scripture, things are left up to our conscience a fair amount. Things are left up to what we sense the Lord telling us in a particular moment. We have a lot of really big principles, and we have a lot of really specific things in Scripture, a lot of really specific commands of this is right and to not do this is sin. A lot of it is there in in black and white language, but a lot of it is left up to an individual's conscience. Romans 14 tells us that whatever doesn't come from faith is sin. Whatever doesn't come from us being confident that we're doing the right thing in front of the Lord, that is sinfulness for us. If we're not following the conscience and convictions that he gives us, then we're deviating from the path that he has for us. Now, the problem is not everyone is going to have the same convictions. Not everyone is going to have the same feelings towards uh, each and every area of life. In fact, that's one of the major reasons that Romans 14 gets written in the first place, because there were people who had freedoms in certain areas and felt that everyone needed to follow their freedom, and there were people who didn't have freedom in those same areas, and they felt like everyone needed to give up those freedoms for their own sake. It's not that we need to make other people follow our convictions, and When you're teaching, a lot of times your study is on your own, your thinking is all by yourself, and so you only can bounce scripture off of your own ideas. And if you're not really careful, you can wind up giving applications that are stricter than God's specific laws. And that's never our place. We're not here to try to make other people live like us. We're here to try to make other people live like Jesus. And part of them living like Jesus is them following their specific convictions. So you may have certain principles or policies or rules that you follow in your own life. If they are not clearly scripture, you setting them forward in your teaching as the standard of what it means to follow Jesus, that is legalism. You're now putting a burden on people that Jesus didn't put on them. Now, when it comes to defining legalism, we also need to fight against a different temptation because there's something very important that legalism is not. Legalism is not asking people to progress away from their sinfulness. There's this idea today that because God is so gracious and because God loves us no matter who we are, that it doesn't really matter what we do. That because God loves us, everything is just fine, and fighting sin in any capacity will push people towards legalism. See, that's not God's desire for people. All over Scripture, he tells people that you shouldn't continue to live a sinful life if you follow him. That just because grace will come to you in your sinfulness, it doesn't mean that you should try to make your sinfulness grow and abound. Rather, the Bible is all about putting off sinful things and walking in the new kind of life that God offers his people. Biblically, our actions change because our hearts change. The two are always linked. So it's not that we can just get rid of the action change altogether. It's rather that we need to make sure the action change is always linked with the heart change. We want to help people change. We want to help people become more than they are right now, but 
that doesn't mean we are only focused on do the right things because that's what God wants. Now, I want to show a couple bad application methods, a couple ways of building applications that will encourage people towards legalism. The first is giving applications just through the lens of, well, this is a good thing to do. You know, the Bible is talking about being generous in our particular passage today, and being generous is good, so go be generous. Look, there are lots of really good things to do, but that's not really the point of the gospel. The point of the gospel isn't that we should just do good things because Jesus seemed like a good guy. It's not that at all. It's about Jesus makes life completely new, and so because of it, we want to walk in new life. By just sharing good things with your congregation, you become a life coach. You don't become someone who can offer the hope of resurrection. You just offer the hope of maybe you'll be a little bit more efficient. And that's not what the Bible's all about. It's not about just making people more efficient or generally better in some vague sense. It's about making people whole and making people like Jesus. So if it's just, here's a good thing that you should do, you may wind up pushing people towards legalism. Another bad application method is looking at things through the lens of do this to make God happy. This, I think, can be a truly scary teaching method. And this is not to say that we refrain from showing people the heartbreak that God has towards sin or the anger that God has towards the devastation that sin can bring into a person's life. When I'm talking about the idea of do this and it'll make God happy, I'm talking about the idea of winning his overall approval being as opposed to being permanently separated from him. You see, God delights in our obedience, but our obedience is not what gives us peace with God. The resurrection of Jesus and our faith in Jesus is what gives us peace with God. This, this method of teaching is nice because it's simple. It's easy to do. It's easy to just tell people, just change. Just do stuff, do stuff differently. Be better. Like, don't continue on in your sinful way. It's really easy to want people to just kind of follow you and to want people to just make clear change you can see. But when we end up teaching this way, we teach something that isn't the whole gospel. It isn't the whole story. It's not performed to make God happy. It's God is happy, so be like him. We definitely want to make sure we're not giving people the impression that if they don't follow our application points, God is angry at them and may not want them in his family. A third method of bad application is telling people, well, this is how I do it. Here's what I do in my life when it comes to fighting lust. Here's what I do in my life when it comes to fighting greed. Here's what I do in my life when it comes to being generous. Any of these different things. We are not the measures of success. And we shouldn't try to be. And one of the things I feel like I say a fair amount on this podcast is by virtue of being the Bible teacher, you become looked up to naturally. You don't want to try to add to that. That turns you from being a real person into just being a distant figure on a stage. It turns you into being someone that they say, well, maybe one day I could be kind of like that guy. Like, you don't want to be the hero in the room. You don't want to be the hero of the teaching. You want Jesus to be the hero of the teaching. It can be helpful to give 
examples and principles and illustrations from your own life. I, I do that a fair amount in my own teaching, but I don't try to set myself up to be, if you just do what I'm doing, you'll be okay. If you just do what I'm doing, then you'll have fully applied this particular principle to your life. You can be part of the application, but you should not be the standard of whether or not people have really lived out this principle of application. So avoid those three things. Don't just tell people good things to do. Don't tell them that if they do this, they'll make God happy. And don't tell them just to do the stuff that you're doing. Instead, you can try some of these methods and principles of giving good, helpful applications. The, the first is, tell people, here's who you truly are in Christ. We want people to live out who God has already made them to be. Good application helps believers become what God has made them to be. Instead of just sharing good things, instead of just trying to show people, here's a bunch of nice stuff you can do, instead show them the new things that they can do. Before Christ, they could never truly be selfless, but in Christ, they have become servants of all the world. And from that lens, you can ask your people to go serve. Before Christ, everyone is extremely selfish. And through Christ, we have become completely content, freeing us to be generous. So go be generous because that's who you are in Christ. That creates a whole different motivation for trying to live out the application. If I'm just told a thing I need to do, as soon as I'm not good at it, I want to give up on it. But if I'm reminded that this is who I actually am, I'm going to try harder to stick with it, and I'm going to ask for a different power source. And that leads to the second good method of application. Tell people, here's what the Spirit wants to empower you for. Life change is never about our accomplishments. And that's really the big danger with just trying to show people do a bunch of good stuff. Because life change is not about you trying to do a bunch of good stuff. Life change, according to scripture, is about the Holy Spirit empowering you and making you into a brand new person. Teaching spirit dependence is always going to be helpful for, for people. Because they've already tried on their own. They've already tried to fix themselves. They've already tried to change the brokenness that lives within them. And the real problem is that they can't do it on their own. If your application sounds like, here's the thing you need to do on your own, and you don't remind people of the true power source of the Holy Spirit to help them accomplish that change, you shouldn't be surprised when they keep failing. You just shouldn't be surprised by it. Because if we don't give people the things, if we don't, I shouldn't say because we don't give people the Holy Spirit, but if we don't point people to the Holy Spirit, if we don't point people to the true power source uh, that will help them live this new life, then we shouldn't be surprised when they don't look to it and when they don't actually live differently because of it. We need to make sure we're pointing people towards spirit dependence. And then a third method for good application is telling people, here are various ways that you can live this out. In your applications, your passage may have one general principle, but there can be all sorts of examples for how people live it out. So generally, maybe your passage is about generosity. 
And so you want to give people the general principle, God has been generous with you, and he has made us like him, so let's be generous like he is. It's a good general principle. But you want to move beyond that. You don't just want to give people that real general idea. You want to move into something practical. But don't just give people one example. You can show people practically, give of your time by serving in church. That's one way that you could be generous. Invite neighbors or friends over to your house for dinner. You know, be generous with your space and with your time and with your food. Give gifts to your neighbors. If a new neighbor is moving in, bake cookies for them. Bring them over. Make them really feel welcome in the neighborhood. Uh, Focus a little bit more on tithing, perhaps. Be generous financially with the church or with other needs that may be in your community. Give people all of those examples. Don't just give them one. Because if you just give them one, you can make people think, if you don't do this, you must not be generous. And that's not really a helpful way to give people application. But by giving people multiple examples, by showing them a lot of different ways they can be generous, you actually let the Holy Spirit apply that general principle specifically into each person's life. Because if you give six different examples of what it might mean to be generous, one person might use the second example that you gave. Another person might use the fifth example. Another person might apply that first example that you gave. And another person might be challenged because they're doing the first five things, but that sixth one is something they need to really learn and grow in. By giving all of these different examples, you increase your ability to influence more people because people need to hear all sorts of different things. And ultimately, you don't know the way the Holy Spirit needs to apply this passage to a person's life. But what you can do is throw a lot of different things out there, throw a lot of different ideas based on you are new in Christ and the Spirit wants to empower you to be this way. So here's a lot of different ways that you can do it. When you cast that wide net out there, it no longer becomes you who needs to figure out how to apply that passage to a person's life. The Holy Spirit gets the opportunity to apply that passage to a person's life. And ultimately, as much as we want to be the best Bible teachers possible, what that really means is just creating room and creating space for the Holy Spirit to get to speak by his word to his people. And when we allow the the life-changing power of the Holy Spirit to do the work in each of our teachings, we become more effective than we could ever possibly imagine. Thank you for listening to another episode of First Time Bible Teacher. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to leave a rating, a review, anything that can potentially help get the word out about this podcast. All of those are super encouraging to see and they help a ton. This podcast is part of the Good Lion Podcast Network. If you like what you're hearing here, definitely head over to goodlion.io. That's the main website of our podcast network, and it'll give you access to all kinds of content like this. You can follow this specific podcast on Instagram by following at First Time Bible Teacher. It'll keep you up to date as new episodes are coming out. And you can follow our podcast network generally by following at goodlion.io to see this and all the different podcasts we have coming out on the Good Lion Podcast Network. May God bless you in your teaching. We'll see you next time.